Welcome to the Product Podcast, brought to you by Product School. Here, you'll get fresh insight from the people at the very top of the tech companies who make the products we love. Remember, you can learn product management live online. Visit productschool.com to discover our new certificate path. There, you can also join the world's largest community of PMs and network with the leaders from these podcasts at our online events. There's something happening almost every day. Hi, I'm Pranav, and I'm going to be talking today about metrics that matter. This is a topic that's very close to me, first, because uh, for any product manager, it takes a bit of time, patience, and experience to get to the right product metrics, uh, so it's a little difficult to do. Uh, and also because if done right, it can really supercharge your product and it can deliver a huge amount of value for your users as well as for your business. Um, so let's get right into it. Why should you care about metrics? And uh, this is tribal knowledge, but metrics enable us to do meaningful stuff by giving us visibility into how our product's performing and uh, how we can benchmark it, we can actually make a better and better product iteratively. It also allows us to make rational decisions. So uh, actually looking at what matters, what's going to move the needle, we build more rational products that seem to work for our users without having to rely on our biases or on our limited data or limited worldview. It helps avoid catastrophes by continuously monitoring product performance. Uh, we make sure that we build the right kind of uh, products and the right kind of monitoring in place, and we know what's wrong and when it's going wrong as well. Um, lastly, metrics help us understand the heart of the product, uh, the core reason why a product needs to exist and what it does for the users and what it does for the business. Uh, so overall, it's super important to get metrics right. Without the right set of metrics, we're essentially building meaningless stuff. Um, over the years, through trial and error, I've had some good successes with building metrics for products and some bad failures as well. And just looking back at what I could have done to avoid failures and what I did at times when I was successful, I've pretty much come up with a six-step framework for defining measurable, actionable, and more user-centric metrics. And that's the framework I'm going to be talking about today. Um, it's really not that complicated. Uh, I do it in six steps. The first one being understanding the product goal. Uh, from the product goal, I move on to defining a North Star metric. From there, mapping out a super basic user flow, deriving supporting metrics from the user flow, tracking the funnel for my product, and then finally adjusting my metrics for final measurability. And the rest of this presentation is just a walkthrough of all of these six steps with examples. Uh, and my hope is that by the end of uh, this talk, you'd be comfortable kind of using the framework for yourself and for your products. We need to start with a few disclaimers. Uh, I use uh, user flows and product goals in this presentation quite a bit. Uh, and it's good to be aware that these are nuanced topics by themselves. So this present, if you're looking for uh, a presentation or a talk that says uh, how to define user flows or product goals, this is not the right one. This one covers user flows and product goals purely from a metrics perspective. With that disclaimer, uh, let's move on to understanding the simplest product goal. And the simplest product goal should essentially give you a visibility of what a user wants to accomplish and what a business wants to accomplish. At this stage for defining metrics, it's not necessary to make the product goal smart or to have it measurable or to have solid KPIs around it. It just needs to capture what is a user trying to do and what is the business trying to do. So a good framework for a product goal that suffices for building metrics is build something so that someone can do something with it. And this will generate impact by this measure or by this um, 
change to our users. Um, I know it sounds a little iffy at this point, so we'll get into some examples. So build a marketplace for everyone to shop online. This will make shopping more convenient. Is a perfectly valid goal for uh, an e-commerce platform. Or build a place for everyone to interact with friends and family. This will make users feel a part of the community. Is a good goal for a social platform. Uh, or for uh, some website that uh, does budget travel, build a product for budget travelers to look, uh, to look at and book a place to stay on their vacations. This will make travel easier for them is a valid goal. Or for a fitness app, um, build a play, place for fitness enthusiasts to log their fitness activity and share it with others. This will motivate them towards their fitness goal. Sounds like a good goal. Uh, so all of these four statements essentially walk into this same template, right? So build something so that someone can do X with it, and this will generate an impact by changing their lives as such. Uh, so with this goal, we have a few template examples, and this should be a good starting point. You'd notice that at this point, I don't talk about KPIs or measuring success or how we plan to get where we want to get. Uh, all of that actually happens when we define a North Star. Uh, a North Star metric is essentially that one metric that tells you that your product is going in the right direction for your users and for your business. So a good North Star answers the question, are we close to our goal? Um, a good North Star also needs to be super measurable and it should see the user as well as the business view. Again, sounds a bit iffy, so we'll cover it with examples. For our previous example, build a marketplace for everyone to shop online. This will make shopping more convenient. The best North Star we could choose is the number of transactions on the marketplace. And this is a fairly wide North Star in the sense that it captures the buyer's perspective. So the more the number of buyers, the more frequent the number of buyers, as well as the seller perspective. So the more the number of sellers, the more the number of transactions. Uh, so it kind of covers an overall view of the business. Uh, we've consciously made a choice not to choose something like revenue or something like the number of users on the platform or the number of signups because these are all representative of only one side. So if we were to choose revenue, we would just be uh, ending up selling more and more expensive products rather than more and more products that users actually care about. Or if we choose the number of users on the platform, we're not touching transaction frequency at all. So you could have 100 million users, but if all of them make one transaction in a year, you're essentially only selling about 100 million items on your marketplace or we don't choose the number of sellers because you can have tons of sellers, but actually no buyers. So the number of transactions kind of captures all of these perspectives. It is influenced by all of these sides of the product and it very clearly articulates whether or not we're doing good for our business. For the social app, build a place for everyone to interact with family and friends. This will make users feel a part of the community. Uh, the metric that I would choose as a North Star is the number of interactions between users per day. So it also captures the number of users in the platform. So more the number of users, the more the number of interactions. Uh, it also captures the engagement of the users in terms of the more the number of interactions, the more engaged my users are as well. And it kind of builds a complete picture of the social community that you're trying to build without bias towards any specific form or uh, any specific visual look or any specific UX that you might want to choose. Uh, for the budget travels example, uh, we choose the number of rooms booked. Uh, or room nights booked or some such. And that kind of captures both the buyer side, the seller side, as well as um, kind of the efficacy of the platform as well. 
and the same for the fitness app uh, the number of activities logged essentially gives a view of how many users exist on the platform how many of them actually engage in activities how many of them share those activities all of that in just one metric a north star is very powerful to measure uh, whether or not the product as a whole is going into the right direction uh, but it doesn't really capture how it's going into the right direction so there's very low visibility into the underlying performance of a north star so if your transactions are going up on an e-commerce platform you don't necessarily with your north star know why it's happening or if they're going down with your north star you don't know why it's happening and what you could change uh, so there's very low actionability to a north star in itself so that's why it's it's a great measure to have uh, it's it's kind of the primary measure to have but it needs to be augmented by supporting metrics and the way we build a supporting metric is to start with a basic user flow so how does a user accomplish their goal on our product and how do we achieve our north star that's essentially the function of a user flow and at this point um, a user flow is defined super basic super loosely as the broadest steps that a user needs to take in order to be able to accomplish their goal um so it captures all essential steps and only the essential steps it considers the happy as well as unhappy parts so it considers what can go right with the product so users at their goal it also considers what can go wrong um it's detailed enough for meaningful insights but it's not so detailed that it distracts from the core idea of uh being able to just see what a user does so we would probably not do a page by page analysis of the user flow if you're building an app or a website uh but we would do a step by step analysis instead the six or seven basic steps for an e-commerce journey user lands on the website browses a product selects a product makes a payment gets a delivery is either satisfied or unsatisfied with the product and maybe or may not be makes another purchase um similarly for our sports app a user installs the app adds friends starts a workout finishes a workout shares the workout gets likes or comments or gives likes or comments this is pretty much a typical user journey that we might want to define or a user flow that we might want to define um it's not restrictive it's not necessarily in order like you can see in the sports app you can first start by giving comments or likes or you can first start by logging an activity it really doesn't matter as long as all of the core pieces of of the journey are captured in some semblance of a sequence the next step is actually where things start to get more interesting where we actually start to derive supporting metrics um the way we derive supporting metrics from a user flow is to first go through a step which we which i call product actions which is uh what could you do to influence every step of the user's journey into your product and then define supporting metrics as a way to measure these product actions and uh this becomes a lot clearer with an example so let's get into it um consider the e-commerce journey um so a user lands on the website uh how does a user land on the website what product intervention can cause for a user to land on a website uh one potential product action is to make the marketplace more discoverable so either through paid campaigns or through seo optimizations or through referrals or what have you but the goal is make the marketplace more discoverable a user browses the product uh the way to influence this uh step of the journey and the way to increase the number of users getting to this step of the journey is to make the product discovery easy so you should be able to find easily what you're looking for on the e-commerce uh platform user selects a product 
make products more affordable so uh, remove the price barrier or give more information up front so make it easy for the user to consume information uh, you could pretty much have any product action you can have multiple product ma- uh, actions it doesn't really matter uh, because all of them should ultimately lead to the same kpi uh, so when a user makes the payment we want to make payments easier we want to support new methods of payment or make sure that we're relevant to the user or add partial payments as an option what have you when a user gets the delivery the most important uh, kind of product action that can drive this process is to make deliveries faster or make deliveries more reliable or more efficient uh, the user satisfied with the product we ensure product quality we make sure that the actual product that lands in the hands of the user is usable is exactly as the user expected it to be and so on and so forth and then when the user makes another purchase the one product intervention that we can have is to increase engagement so either through referrals or through discounts or through suggesting more relevant items or from complimentary purchases but the product action is to increase engagement and then once we've mapped out all of these product actions we can easily triangulate the supporting metrics that would be used to measure these product actions so for making the marketplace more discoverable uh the kpi that we would be interested in is how many new users actually discover the marketplace so how many new users do we have per day uh to make product discovery easy we can have something like product category selections make products more affordable would translate to cart ads make payments easier uh would translate to drop off set payments or payment completions make deliveries faster would translate to on time deliveries as a kpi that we can measure uh the product action by uh ensure product quality uh we minimize the number of returns with the hypothesis that if the product is of good quality we would see a reduction in returns and in order to increase engagement we would probably measure transaction frequency so how many users have more than one transaction per day or just the number of transactions per user per week or uh some such which kind of captures the transaction frequency a lot of this is nuanced and specific to the product that you're building so most of these metrics are highly indicative but they're also very easy to fine tune specifically to the product that you're trying to build once we're done with the supporting metrics we essentially have our north star which we want to optimize and the supporting metrics which kind of walk us through the funnel of how we want to optimize for the north star um but that's not enough in the sense that uh most product teams especially if you're working in a large organization have much smaller spans of control so uh, you might not be able to influence the end to end funnel of an e-commerce uh, company or you might not be able to influence the end to end social funnel uh so in order to control for uh, sort of this chaos and also to give you more visibility into how your product is doing funnel metrics are a good place to just um, kind of have at the back of your pocket and look at the funnel metrics just to make sure that your product behaves as expected in a smaller more detailed scale uh, and funnel metrics are derived through a detailed breakdown of user journeys for a specific part of the product so what we considered so far while deriving supporting metrics was the entire span of the product from start to finish a funnel metric essentially focuses on one part of that journey um and if if we were to look at an example let's say for the e-commerce platform that we talked about earlier uh we're trying to build a loyalty program um and we have all of our screens and all of our mockups and how it's going to work and we essentially define the journey steps for this loyalty program so a user discovers the loyalty program reads the benefits of the loyalty program completes the purchase of the loyalty program if it's a charged loyalty program 
and makes more transactions because that's kind of the purpose of the loyalty program to get users to have more transactions because they get value out of um, having a loyalty program membership. So the product actions, again, um, optimize the loyalty program entry points, deliver better user value, make loyalty program more affordable and make payments easier. Um, that derives funnel metrics, just as we did for the supporting metrics. So we, uh, in order to optimize the loyalty program entry points, um, we map the new exposures to the loyalty program per day. We map the page visits per day um, in order to gauge a sense of uh, how many people actually are interested in the loyalty program. We map out checkout initiations, initiations per day to see if our users actually find value in the loyalty program. Uh, and then user makes more transactions, makes payments easier. Uh, we actually look at um, new signups per day because that's our uh, sign of the fact that our payment flow actually works. So what do we have so far? Uh, so far we have a North Star metric that says uh, we want to map out transactions per day and that's our goal. The more the number of transactions our platform has, um, the, better it, the better we're doing in terms of the product, in terms of the user, as well as in terms of the business. We have a few supporting metrics that we want to track, which is new users per day, product category selections, cart ads, drop offs at payments, on-time deliveries, number of returns and transaction frequencies. And we have funnel metrics for the specific part of the product that we can actually influence, which is new exposures per day, page visits per day, checkout initiations per day, and new signups per day. In the next step, we eliminate the supporting metrics that we feel we have no influence over. Um, this is essentially an exercise in trust. Um, so if you're doing your part right and someone else is doing their part right, then you essentially sum up as everything is working well. Um, for our specific example, for the loyalty program, um, as a product manager, I would have no influence on what specific product category, if any, is selected by the user. I would have little influence on how much of that translates to cart ads or how much of that translates to drop offs at payments. So these are supporting metrics that I cannot influence. Um, and I essentially weed them out of my supporting metric list just so that um, the metrics that I do have are clearer and more visible to me and I can derive more meaning from them. All of this essentially gave us a fairly good picture of what primary metrics and supporting metrics and funnel metrics we want to track, but this is not always practical. So um, let's say I was working in uh, customer service in that large e-commerce company. Um, I would not necessarily directly influence transactions per day or I would influence transactions per day, but over a very long period of time. So if a user today has a customer service issue and I uh, decide I, uh, and I solve it effectively, it doesn't necessarily mean that the next day the user is going to have another transaction. It might take a week, two weeks, even sometimes six months before the user has another transaction. So for me, working in customer service, a North Star metric that says transactions per day doesn't make as much sense because it's not immediately actionable. So we try to adjust the metrics for final measurability, and we do that by proxies. So proxies are needed when the overall impact of the North Star metric is either small or it's delayed. Um, some examples of a proxy, um, on-time delivery can be a primary metric for logistics rather than the frequency of transactions or the number of transactions, because it's not necessarily that a user will make another order as soon as their previous order is delivered on time. So um, if it's a delay of a week or two weeks, I would still go with transactions, but if it's three months or six months, I would probably prefer to have on-time delivery as my primary metric. Um, new user signups as the primary metric for social onboarding flows because there's a delay in 
representation for how many users this specific user actually interacts with and how frequently because they're still familiarizing themselves with the product. And then like we discussed, tickets handled as the primary metric for customer service. So a good proxy metric has a strong correlation with the North Star. It meaningfully accomplishes the product goals that we set out to, go, uh, set out to get. And ideally, a good proxy metric is also derived from a supporting metric or is just a supporting metric in the product. If it's not, that's usually a very special situation that uh, most product managers would not lend themselves in. Uh, so I wouldn't really bother much about uh, kind of going through a flow of not having a supporting metric that can be translated into a proxy. One good note, uh, always track the North Star as a supporting metric when using a proxy metric. And even though there's uh, a delayed result or a small impact on the primary metric, it's always good to add it into your tracking funnel just so that you can see if something's going terribly wrong with the North Star metric or something's just not right with the North Star metric. So our final, final list um, for the e-commerce uh, kind of problem area. Uh, if I'm doing the loyalty program, I would choose new signups per day as my North Star metric or my primary metric. I could choose transactions per day if I have a transaction frequency that's viable. If I'm getting one transaction per two or three weeks, it's probably a good metric, but let's say in our case, I'm not. Uh, so I pick new signups per day as the North Star that I want to optimize for my loyalty program for. My supporting metrics remain at new users per day, on-time deliveries, number of returns, transaction frequency. And because I've eliminated transactions per day as the North Star, I still add it as a supporting metric. And then my funnel metrics, uh, which again talk about new exposures per day, page visits per day, checkout initiations per day, and new signups per day. So essentially, if my product is built right, the first metric that I should see a change in is new signups per day. If it changes for the positive, that means everything's going fine, uh, usually. But if it does change for the negative, I can fall back on my supporting metrics and see where my product breaks. Um, let's, let's imagine a situation where I have a large number of new signups per day, and that's leading to a large number of new transactions per day. But it's also leading to a reduction in on-time deliveries because there are so many orders that I now have to handle that I can't fulfill each of them on time. Or if there's a large number of returns because um, essentially I'm causing a buyer's remorse by getting people to sign up into the loyalty program, getting them excited about the next purchase. I'm having them purchase something that they don't fundamentally want and then therefore they return it. So my supporting metric kind of triangulates any problems that I might have with the product that I can iteratively solve regardless of whether or not my primary metric is going in the right direction. Finally, uh, my funnel metrics help me debug problems with my North Star metric. So if I see a decline in the new signups per day, is it because there's not enough exposures? Is it because there's not enough page visits? Is it because there's too few checkout initiations so users don't find the loyalty program affordable or don't find value in it? Or is it because there's just not enough new signups per day to the loyalty program itself? Like, sorry, that's a bit correlated, but essentially the funnel metric um, derives what problems you might have in the path to the primary metric. And this set of metrics essentially captures that quite well. So now you have the list of metrics you need to validate if this is the right set of metrics. A few ways to do it, run simple AA experiments. This validates if your metric is actually computable, if you can actually see it without errors, if there are any bugs in the metric that you need to sort. Um, run a few small A-B experiments with obvious outcomes. Um, so this kind of validates the power that your metric might have, how much it moves uh, in one direction or the other. 
Is it sensitive enough for the purposes that you want to use it in? Um, one good tip is to use outages to your advantage. So whenever there's a product outage in a specific part, it will impact multiple metrics. Um, look at what uh, metrics are impacted by these outages and failures um, for your customers as well as for your business. That's a good proxy for establishing correlations between metrics, for establishing just how well your metric functions and for just a general visibility into um, what specific gaps exist within your metrics. And finally, give it time. Um, usually designing metrics for a product that are functional and sustainable over a long period of time needs a lot of tweaking, needs a lot of iterations, and just needs a lot more experience uh, with the product itself. So give it time before you have a final, final list of metrics. Keep going through the steps, keep going through the motions, keep asking yourself, is this a good North Star? Is it representative? What supporting metrics am I missing? And you'll kind of arrive at a good set of metrics that uh, you can keep consistent within your product and you can keep iterating on and kind of keep making the product better for your users. Uh, so in summary, we do six steps in order to be able to establish a metric. First, understand the product goal. Based on the product goal, define a North Star metric, map out the user flow, derive the supporting metrics, track funnel metrics, and adjust all of this for final measurability. I hope you found this useful. Um, this is pretty much my approach for designing metrics. It's worked for me. Um, let me know if it works for you as well. I'd be happy to hear your thoughts. Uh, so far, that's my time. So thank you. Thank you for listening to the product podcast. If you like this episode, don't forget to leave a review on iTunes. For more product insights, head over to productschool.com.